Good morning. I'm absolutely delighted to be with you this morning and to join at this event. It is now getting to well over a year since I was installed as the 133rd Bishop of London. It just so happens that the 132 predecessors uh, were men. I'm also beginning to get to know the Palace of Westminster as a Lord Spiritual. I have to say that I'm much more familiar uh, with Parliament from my role when I was the government's chief nursing officer for England. People often ask me, what is it like to have had two careers? My response is always the same. I've had one vocation, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the heart of who I am has been, and still is, my passion for people, and particularly for the marginalized, and in the words of Desmond Tutu, I am not optimistic, but I am a prisoner of hope. It has already been mentioned this morning that we stand at an important moment. An important moment not just in our own nation's history, but in Europe's history. There have been few times in my lifetime which have been more dramatic, polarizing, or upsetting, although history may judge it differently. And of course, as the Baroness said, division is not new. Many times in our history, we have found ourselves to have unbearable, seemingly irreconcilable differences. And no doubt, we will again. And maybe, it's not what we do at this moment, but how we do it that we will be remembered for. The St. Paul's Institute, which is based at St. Paul's Cathedral in the city, produced a report uh, last year called Democracy and the Common Good. And it challenged our use of binary narratives. In the preface, Dr. Adrian Brast reminded us that following the Brexit referendum and the political turmoil that we've seen, not just in this country, but across the USA and Europe, the old opposition of left versus right seems increasingly obsolete. Instead, he said, we risk submitting one binary narrative for another one in which the main fault lines are cultural and generational, encapsulated by the networked metropolitan youth versus the old left behind. Now, whether or not you agree with this analysis, one of the key issues seems to be the use of binary narratives, that right versus wrong. And the report calls for a politics and a broad public discourse based on a different language, a transcendent conversation, one that can address deeper discussions around questions of meaning, identity, and belonging. This morning, I want to suggest that the Christian faith offers such a language 
because at its heart is a sense of belonging, of identity and meaning that emerges from being made in the image of God, the image of day. It is a concept that I believe could contribute to this kind of transcendent conversation which is called for. Many have suggested that binary narratives are on the rise because of a change in the way that we view politics, not just in Europe, but across America. And we have seen the growth in the idea that a particular set of political beliefs are the solution to the world's problems. One of the implications of this is that by definition, you are either on the right side or the wrong side of the argument. And the news frames it in terms of the whole political ideas as winning or whose political ideas are losing. Who is right, who is wrong? And this creates a culture of winners and of losers. It is the punch and duty of politics. It is a state that we say we want to get away from, but yet we still see it week by week in the Prime Minister's Question Time. Prime Minister's Question Times is a forum that reportedly made Harold Macmillan, a man who fought in the Somme, feel physically sick as he prepared for it. And whilst politicians say that that's not all they do, it is often the only time that members of the public see you. If we believe that political beliefs are the solution, we risk creating an atmosphere which is divided and depressing. The division means that there is very little incentive to cooperate or even to attempt to appeal to voters from the other party. It's depressing because there is a constant expectation of denigration of those who oppose you. And the truth is there are ripples into wider society and into a wider community. The belief that I am right and you are wrong can easily slide into me being good and you being bad. And hate speaks can, can so easily then move into a violent isolation, isolation of those who hold different views. And it is true that the way in which we are made, that we inevitably hang conquer down with those who are our own. It consolidates our sense of belonging if we hunker down in our own communities of whatever kind, we differentiate ourselves from other, we set ourselves apart. And the truth is the church is not exempt from this. We can use language which not everyone understands. We have sometimes been quick to form different Christian tribes. We have too often shut out those when we should have flung our doors wide open to them. And as we do, we draw explicit, explicit and implicit categories which indicate who is in and who is out. 
And all of this is depressing because the reality is that our expectations are never quite met. Education is never quite good enough. Finances are never quite rosy enough. Healthcare is never quite delivering enough. And even the church is not, never quite functioning well enough. I believe that our challenge, our challenge in this time is not to pretend that we are all alike because we are clearly not. But we need to recognize and hopefully, to, hopefully learn to in some way to overcome our intrinsic nature which pushes away others and tries to carve out territory only for ourselves and to see ourselves in a circumstance that is much wider, to see ourselves in the context of God. Our challenge is to find a place for a humility and a place where we find a different way forward. It has been suggested that the single most influential text in Western political history has been the Imago Dei. Imago Dei, made in the image of God, a theological term applied uniquely to humans which describes symbolically the relationship between God and humanity. And as we heard, the term has its roots in Genesis. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God created he, him, male and female, he created them. Now, this scriptural passage doesn't mean to say that we are carbon copies of God, rather that humans reflect God. We are made in the image of God, in our mortal, spiritual and intellectual nature. So can I ask you, when you looked in the mirror this morning, what was it that you saw? Nick Spencer of Think Tank Theos suggests that the most important, identifiable, recognizable thing that we can be grateful for Christianity for is the image that we see when we look in the mirror in the morning. It is by no means self-evidence. We don't have a barcode on us to tell us who we are. We don't have a price tag on us to tell us how much we are worth. The idea of who the human is, someone rather than something, someone irrespective of the fact that we may not be able to afford the mirror that we look into. And it is this incursion of Christianity into what we now call the classical world that has brought the idea that in engaging with human beings, we are in some way engaging with a bit of God, with an image of God. And critically, this text has been repeatedly used and powerfully used throughout history to justify human equality and dignity. In fact, it is the soil in which we have flourished. Being made in the image of God creates an understanding of the equality of humanity, an equality that puts the care for the weak at the central of spiritual and political life. 
the poor, the widow, the orphan, the sick, and even our enemy. It is a text which inspired William Wilberforce to campaign for the end of the transatlantic slave trade. And it is striking that 2,000 years ago, a man who claimed to be king, in whose image we are made, modelled this perfectly. Jesus was not ashamed to turn aside from the great debates, the debates about who was right and who was wrong, and turn to care and respect the poor, the blind, the lame, and the marginalised. And it is within this concept of the image of God, with the equality of humanity at the centre, that we can find, that we can disagree with our ideological and theological positions with care and respect. Wouldn't it be great if we could hold what is considered a minority opinion without being ridiculed or vilified as a traitor or a troublemaker? Wouldn't it be a breath of fresh air if the tone of our debates focused less on showing people how right we are but on how we care for the most vulnerable, for those who are most likely to be hurt. This is the fruit of believing that we are made in the image of God, a care for the weak. Being made in the image of God creates the equality of humanity, which leads to a championing of individual freedom. It was this text that spurred John Locke to argue that government should not enforce their views on people unwillingly, but only with their consent. It is striking that the man who claimed to be king, in whose image we are made 2,000 years ago, modelled this. Jesus did not come to force to dictate what his subjects should believe, but allowed them to mock him to vilify him, and even to kill him. So with the teaching of Christ, the teaching of equality of humanity at the centre, we have a stable base for those who hold views, and for those who hold views that are completely different to ours. It allows us to allow them to flourish. Wouldn't it be great if we could avoid a culture in which we demonise those who dissent from us? Wouldn't it be a breath of fresh air if we allowed each other the safe space we all need so that we can express our views, that we can debate in an atmosphere of compassion and respect? This is the fruit of believing that we are made in the image of God, a care for the weak, a championing of individual freedom. These are the roots on which our society has been built. And maybe I would suggest that we need to revisit them. Finally, being made in the image of God is to be made in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and followers of Jesus Christ believe that every human being created in the image of God are created not to be in isolation, 
We belong to each other in creation, and we should cherish each other, not simply use others or consume them. And we are in fact most human when we know ourselves to be dependent upon others. My colleague, the Bishop of Kensington, Dr. Graham Tomlin, has recently said in responding to the tragedy of Grenfell Tower, the Christian view of social relations tell us that my neighbor is not so much a threat or a limitation, but a gift. If mine, uh, my own individuality is constituted by my relationships and not by my own inner elusive personality or choices, then without my neighbor, I cannot become myself. Love comes through seeing the other, not simply as I see them, but in the light of God who has created both of us. That recognition leaves not only me capable of reaching out to support the other, but also willing to receive support from them, from the other. And whilst I and we all will fail at this, Christians wonderfully believe that faith in forgiveness offered by Jesus Christ helps. It magnifies this new perspective of seeing people differently with a much-needed humility. It gives us a new power to make progress. It gives us a hope of a place to come where all of this is firmly lived out in its fullness. The message of being made in the image of God provides the soil for a different kind of politics for a different kind of community, for a different kind of society. Wouldn't it be a breath of fresh air to move beyond the binary punch and duty of modern politics and modern day life, of winners and of losers, of a binary narrative, not just as a political stunt, but as a principled position? And if this principle were actually true, it could affect not just our politics, but our health and our happiness, the fortunes of our community, of the most marginalized and neglected, and of our nation. Wouldn't it be worth exploring? Is there hope for a politics and a broad public discourse based on a different kind of language? and of a transcendent conversation. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And it was good. <laughs>